Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We are so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. Well, last week was Easter, and uh, I just wanted to let you know that I did remember that. And uh, because right now my memory is not too good. There were two messages delivered last week that I heard that honestly, I've heard sermons all of my life, but there were two messages that were preached last weekend at Gateway Church that was absolutely unbelievable. One of them was preached right here, and it was called Beloved, and in a series he introduced, and he talked about Jesus being the, really the Lamb of God and that his blood was beautiful, and it's only by his power. I listened to that message, and it's awesome. It's an awesome word. If you didn't hear it, you're on an assignment. you got to listen to it. It's wonderful. The other one was preached by my pastor, Robert Morris. His message was entitled Dominion. And again, I've been preaching from some of those texts all of my life, but I've never said or thought about some of the things Pastor Robert said last weekend and Pastor Preston also said. So I am really honored, and I don't need any brownie points. I am honored to know these two men of God. They're precious people to me, and I love them both dearly. Now, I'm not in competition with Pastor Preston about scripture verses. As he, those of you that were here last week, he said he was going to probably use more scripture than any other pastor had ever used in his life. I'm not going to try to do that, but I am going to try to stay in keeping with his theme that he established, Beloved, and as Madison has so beautifully sung already at my request, I'm going to talk about the love of Father God in this series. And, you know, there is a, a reason, I said this this morning in Kairos, there's a reason why God reveals himself in Scripture in three ways. He reveals himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And once again, we charismatics have gotten down the, the Holy Spirit part pretty good, and we evangelicals have gotten down the Son part. I'm a, from a Baptist background, and we preach Jesus is the only way. Got that down part. But we are sort of lacking, in my opinion, of understanding God as Father. And as I said this morning in my teaching, it's partly because of the relationship sometimes we have with our earthly fathers. But the truth of Scripture is that God the Father is love. That's what the Bible said. And if you were to ask anyone at random, define the love of God for me. In all probability, they would go to a very familiar verse and they would quote John 3:16 because that's the average understanding about God and I am not here to doubt that at all but I would suggest as others have suggested that perhaps 
Not only is John 3.16 the most familiar verse in all of the world, it's probably the most misunderstood verse in all of the world and the misused verse in all the world. For you know that it's not unusual, even in today's world, to be watching a basketball game and somebody pops up a sign, John 3.16, or a football game, you know, and they have John 3.16, you know. They want to emphasize that John 3.16 is expressing something and it's absolutely true. But from a biblical perspective, John 3.16 is indeed an expression of God's love, and I want to read it for you again. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a wonderful, wonderful expression of God's love, but it does not exhaust God's love. I decided to take a, a gander through some dictionaries and look up the meaning of God's love. And I'm pretty sure most of you are familiar with the 1828 American Dictionary of the English Language. No, I wasn't alive in 1828. I know, I, I, I know I look old, but I'm not quite that old. But I looked up that definition, and it's a good one. It's a pretty good definition. But I also looked up one that's called in uh, Webster's College Dictionary. And that definition says it is a profound, tender, passionate, and warm feeling of personal detachment or deep affection. The 1828 version says the love of God is the first duty of man. And this springs from just views of his attributes of character, which afford the highest delight to the sanctified heart. Now, that's a bunch of fancy words from the dictionary, but it really expresses the truth for the believer about what God's love is. Father God, as revealed in Scripture, his love is unconditional, meaning that it is not tied to any worth that I have or that you have or any other value or performance that I might give in the name of God. It is who he is, as I will repeatedly say. It is not based on feelings or emotions. It is based on who the Father is, not on any feeling that you or I might have about God the Father. So today, I know it's lengthy, but I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 from the message. And part of it will be up on the screen. Not all of it is going to be up on the screen. But I felt like I wanted to really try to express this from the message. Here it goes. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ex ecstasy, but don't know love, I'm nothing but the creaking of an iron gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all of his mysteries and make everything plain as day, and if I have faith to say to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, 
but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't have love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't reveal when others gravel. Doesn't revel when others gravel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of the truth. It never does that. It does that. Puts up with everything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps on going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant on my, brother, my mother's breast, I gargled and cooed like any infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't see things clearly. we squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consumption. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of these is love. I love that version because it puts it in plain English for us, describes what God's love is all about. It's describing perfect love. So I want to make a two or three points here about God's love, depending on the time. Non-acceptance of God's love brings condemnation. Non-acceptance of God's love brings condemnation. Let me read a passage of Scripture and then comment on it. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. But whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, and I'll skip that one. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe in him is condemned already because... He has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The presumption 
on God's love without loving and obeying him in return is to project and perhaps promote the concept that the God of this universe loves all of humanity. And he does. That's exactly right. But because of his great love, Father God, because he is God, would never condemn or allow a place like hell to exist. That's popular theology in Christianity today in other parts of the world. God does not send anyone to hell. Individuals make choices not to believe, and the end result of that unbelief is a place called hell on earth here and hereafter. A non-believer is in hell and doesn't know it while he lives upon this earth because life as God intended it to be is revealed through God's love. And when you walk in God's love, there is something that happens inside your soul that changes your attitude about everything that comes your way. So the concept that God would never send anybody to hell because he is good is right. We go to hell because we fail to believe the truth. And when you establish truth, when truth is revealed, there must be an alternative to truth to make it truth. In other words, something false out here has to be there in order for something to be true. And so God allows hell to exist, but he desires that no one go there. God's love is all-inclusive and universally available. God's love is all-inclusive and universally available. There's a further point held by some and is stated in a quote in an excellent article by a man that I don't necessarily agree with, but I do recognize his genius. His name is John MacArthur. He has an article called The Love of God for Humanity. And the following statement is quoted in this article. It is not John MacArthur's uh, belief, and I think this is the first time in all of my life I've quoted John MacArthur, but he says, he's quoting a, a, something that is said, if God loves everyone, then everyone would be saved. Clearly, not everyone is saved, therefore God doesn't love everyone. As I said, that is not his belief, nor mine, but further quoting from this same article, he quotes Arthur Pink in his work, The Sovereignty of God. He states that the world, this is Arthur Pink's opinion, in John 3.16 refers to the world of believers and not to all humanity. But again, Scripture will not support that view. Matthew 5.43 says, 
You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be called sons of God, that you may be sons of God of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on evil and on good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Now, my question and by way of explanation to you and to myself, would Father God that is revealed in Scripture command believers to do something that he himself does not do? Of course not. He therefore loves everyone, believers and non-believers. There may be a special expression of his love for his children, those who are called his children. But the love of the Father is universally available to every person on the face of this earth. Because Father God is love, as I referred to a moment ago. Noel, in a uh, uh, presentation this morning, used scripture, John 4, 16. And I'm not going to read it again, but only in part. In part, it says, God is love. God the Father is love. John 3.16, which is my text, is an expression of God's love for humanity and how he acted out his love. However, this verse does not exhaust the love of God. The cross of Jesus was in the heart of God the Father before the expression of it was given. The actual giving of his son was in the heart of God from the very beginning and the foundation of the earth. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Pastor Preston called this beautiful blood this past weekend in his sermon. That's exactly what he, he's, he, it is. And he, the passage goes on. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So here's my point, that in the heart of God, God was loving from the very beginning. He always has been loved. He is loving at this present moment. He is love, and he can do nothing else except love. The Hebrew word for love in the Old Testament is hesen. That's the English version of it. It is used 178 times in the Old Testament. However, only twice is it translated unchanging love. The translators of the Old Testament render it loving kindness. It is there 176 times. Thus, the Old Testament is full of the love of the Father. I'll give you a few examples. Isaiah 
49, verse 16. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. I remember distinctly the first time I read that verse many, many years ago. And it was just an awesome visual for me that my name, Tommy Briggs, was written on the hand of God. And so is yours. Your name is written there on his palm. Jeremiah 31, 3. Yes, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with eternal love, I have drawn you. Hosea 11.1, 1, when Israel was a child, God's people, I loved him. And then there's that Psalm 136, that other, every other line is for his mercy endures forever. At least that's the New King James translation of that. Many translators, Holman Bible translators, translate that instead of his mercy endures forever, they translate that for his love is eternal. For his love is eternal. As I referred to a moment ago, I want to say something to you today, and now we're getting to one of my favorite parts. Father God's love is active right now. God didn't stop loving when John 3.16 was printed. John 3.16 became a reality, but this dynamic expression of his love is flowing out of the heart of God the Father at this present moment toward you and toward me. As we sit here and stand here today, God's love is flowing out of his heart to humanity. Rejection or failure to receive Father God's love does not stop the love of Father God. This res the responsibility for receiving, rejecting, ignoring, or pretending it doesn't exist as many are doing today, does not alter the flow of Father God's love toward humanity. Another way of expressing the truth I'm trying to get across is in John chapter 4, verse 18. No, I'm sorry. Trying to get across, once again, God is loving at this moment Familiarity can't, e can't easily reduce the, the profoundness of a truth. In other words, all of us know John 3.16, or most of us do. I don't know where you all come from, but most of us have at least heard it. And we're familiar with that. But familiarity sometimes can reduce the profoundness of the truth that is expressed there. Christianity, all of Christianity rests on the foundation of Father God's love. Receiving Father God's love is rewarding and healing. John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. 
because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. There is no fear in love. Receiving the Father's love is God's medicine for depression, discouragement, and many sicknesses, anxiety attacks, and panic attacks. But there's only one avenue of perfect love. It isn't the avenue that you and I have in loving God. The avenue is from Father God toward us. It is from the Father to us. Our love toward him is imperfect. No matter how hard we try, and no matter if the Bible says it's the greatest and first commandment of all to love God with all our hearts, we cannot do it completely as God does toward us. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, Inasmuch as then the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death all of their lifetime was subject to bondage. Death is the fear in some way of all of us at some time in our lives. And Jesus went to the cross and went through death for us and was buried and put on a grave and he came out of that grave to destroy the power of death for us. As we believe in him, we have no fear of this life coming to an end. And I have an announcement for you. As surely as you're sitting here, you have an appointment. It's the only thing in the Bible that I know of, and may, I may be wrong, but it's the only thing that I can remember that it says, it's appointed unto man once to die. And as surely as you're born, you're going to die sooner or later. And God has made a way for us to have no fear of that coming whenever it comes. In conclusion, I want to say God's love gives identity and purpose. I was a senior pastor for 20 years. And I preached on John 3.16 any number of times beyond my recognition, recollection of how many times I did. I have no record of that. But I do remember something. I do remember that I preached on it that God loved everybody I was preaching to without giving any thought our realization that God loved Tommy Briggs. Many years ago, I came to this realization that there was a heavenly father that ordered my existence 
and they had a purpose uniquely mine and it's uniquely yours for bringing you on this earth journey. It is absolutely true that God has a purpose for you. In order to know that purpose, you must get to know God as your Father. It's great to know Him through Jesus. It's great to know the power of the Holy Spirit. But you've got to get to know Him as Father to understand your destiny and who you are in the Lord. I remember one day driving down a freeway many, many years ago now, and all of a sudden, God came into that car with me, and I was overwhelmed with the fact that God really loved Tommy Briggs. Changed my life forever. I've never been the same. I have a favorite little cliche that I use. I sat down on the inside. I didn't try to please anybody else except God. I want people to like me. I really do. I need relationship. But I want to tell you, if you don't like me, my Heavenly Father loves me. And it will settle your life and the issues in your life. I gained an understanding by my relationship. Even today, I have an understanding to some degree of my purpose in life and why God still keeps me on the face of this earth. I do believe that you only find that by getting to know through Jesus the Heavenly Father. God's Word says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus came to make a way for us to know our Heavenly Father. I believe on that day when I discovered that God was my Father and He really loves Tommy Briggs, I believe I discovered two things. One is it was impossible for me and my best effort and all the teaching and education that I might have gotten to understand who I was in my own effort and in my own strength. I couldn't find it. And when I came to the end of my journey in trying to find my identity, I discovered he was ready to show me exactly what my purpose was, at least giving me enough insight that I can cooperate with his will and his purpose. And by God's grace, I opened my heart to begin to receive the Father's love. You ask me, what is my proof? And I read a verse. John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples when you have love one for another. I love people at a different level than I've ever loved them before. Now listen at me. I, wanna, I want these closing moments to express something that's deep in my heart. I don't believe I'm here by accident. I know I got an invite. I know I'm out here. But I believe with all my heart that God sent me here to say to a group of people, and individuals in particular, you may have never understood it before, but I want you to understand something. I don't care who you are or what your background is or what your circumstances are today. According to the Word of God, this book, God the Father 
loves you just as much as he loves anybody else in this world. I put it like this. I discovered something. I really believe this. If I'd been the only person in the world, Jesus would have still gone to the cross. And he loves you this morning, this afternoon. Boy, am I behind time. (laughs) He loves you this afternoon with an unconditional love, whether you ever receive it or not. But if you will receive it, something will happen on the inside of your heart. If you're here today and you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the avenue for finding out what all of life is about. Jesus went to the cross to save you from your sin. You don't have to pay a sin debt. He paid it for you. Praise God, he paid it for us. And he sets us free. He wants us to walk in freedom and understanding. Uh, At Gateway in South Lake, we have the privilege, and you may have heard him about him also, of having Dr. Rice Brooks for a series of meetings on Saturday mornings. And recently, Dr. Brooks shared something with us and, and commissioned all of us present that we were to memorize it. I don't have it memorized yet. I'm working on it. But here it is. It's the gospel in a couple of sentences. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, providing, uh, proving that he is the Son of God and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sin to anyone who repents and believes in him. That is the gospel. If you will believe that in your heart today, your name can be written. You can find a place, as we sung early, in heaven. Your place will be there. We want to invite you to do that. God is here. He's hovering over this place and around your heart today. You may have a prayer need of any kind. The prayer team is going to come in just a moment, and they'll be here to pray with you and to help you find the answers that you need. It is no accident that you dropped into this place today. God is here loving on you, loving on me, and he's reaching out his hand to you and saying, come. So I say, come. Come and receive the Lord Jesus Christ if you don't know him. Come and recommit yourself to him if you need to be because he holds the answers to life. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.